0: Welcome to church in the basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Well, well, well. We are back in the basement, and we are in John chapter fourteen, and we are leaning into the answer to a question. The answer is given by Jesus. The question is posed by Thomas, one of Jesus's disciples. And Thomas brings up this question after Jesus says, I'm going to go away soon, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, but don't worry, you'll know the way. But then Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus responds with, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we've been walking through the different uh, the, the different elements of this answer, the way and then the truth, and touched on the life. Today, we're going to wrap up this answer and we're going to transition over to where we're at. I get the opportunity to love and serve a community called Encounter, it's a community of young adults here in Yakima, Washington. And so we are going to follow along with what we are going through at Encounter. So we're going to be jumping in at John. Um, we're in John 20 uh, right now. So next week, there will be an episode on John 20. But we sort of want to wrap up this conversation about the life. So the I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And we had talked about, out of a, a scripture in Isaiah, how even though God Jesus gives us the, the bread of affliction or the, um, water of adversity. I might be getting those mixed up. Uh, when he gives us those things, it leads us to the teacher and that we will hear his voice and we will see him and we will be with him. And we talked about how that is really the focal point. No matter what we look at in scripture, uh, eternity is a person and not a place. We see Jesus say in John 17, he says, this is eternal life that they would know you father, the one true God. And they would know Jesus Christ, that that is eternal life defined by Jesus. And so the life is to know Jesus, but there is some, some, uh, adjustment that of course is required of us to be walking in the life because from the beginning, we were, we were made in the image of God. It says in Genesis 1, verse 26, I'm going to read it here. I could recite it for you, but I just want to make sure I get it right. It says, then God said, this is in the very beginning, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So, we see from this text, we are created in the image of God, that we are given a a purpose to have dominion over the rest of creation, uh, which is a whole nother talk in itself. But we are made in the image of God, both male and female, which shows we are made male and female. Uh, created with equal value and equal dignity uh, before God. And we are made in his image. If that doesn't cause your jaw to drop, that we are made in God's image, that we are his image bearers, that as we go into the world, that we are called to bring the image of the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, the father who wills it all, the son who carries out the will of the father and the spirit, which is the delight between the two, that we bring his image into the world. That's the way he created us. That's the reason he created us. But of course, sin got in the way that instead of worshiping and serving God, uh, we chose to worship and serve ourselves. And and because of that choice that Adam and Eve made to choose themselves instead of God, it says, in, even in portions of the Psalms, that we are born into iniquity. Like from our mother's womb, we are born uh, into this sort of sin nature, into this sin nature. And so we've been living our lives outside of the purpose of God. And we've been living for ourselves. But when we come to know Jesus and the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, that he lived lived perfectly, he died horrifically, and he rose from the grave, defeating sin, our sin and death, and taking our punishment on the cross, that when we come to him— we can experience and live life. And this comes from knowing the way, the person of Jesus. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me, that he is the way. It's by reading his word to understand who he is. Not necessarily what we need to do, but who God is because we bear his image, right? And then we live the life. And so we have to clarify here what this life looks like. So we are in Ephesians 5, uh, because I think this lays it out sort of the, the back and forth that that we live in now, that there are certain things that the world will want to do. Um, and actually in 1 Corinthians, th- so the church in, in Corinth is is interesting because many of us don't know this, having a modern uh, mindset or view the, the Corinthian church it's basically like the modern uh, Corinth was, was like Vegas uh, so y- you could call uh, somebody a Corinthian and it would be equated to like it, it, it basically to say like you're a skank or you're a whore um, and I know that's harsh terminology but I know there are harsher words that could go along with that but it's basically saying that you're loose um, with, with your boundaries, that, that you are willing to go places with people um, sexually. Um, and so that, that was something that was a term, like you are a Corinthian, basically saying that you are a promiscuous person. And so when we're reading Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, We have to understand that that's the kind of culture he's speaking into. Those are the kinds of people who have been saved by the person and the work of Jesus Christ. They have come to know the way. They are are working their way through the truth and, and experiencing sanctification, but he's correcting some of the cultural things that are going on within that church. So it's significant that Paul says In 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. So when he brings up the temple, the temple has always been the place where you meet with God. Where you meet with God. It's always been that. That before the temple was built, it was the tabernacle that Moses would go to the tabernacle and he would meet with God. And there were all these sacrifices and things that went on to show the bloody mess of our sin, the things that had to take place to basically carry out justice so that an unholy people could come into the presence of a holy God. And there was a section of the tabernacle and then a section of the temple called the Holy of Holies. And it was separated by a curtain and Unless all these sacrifices were done perfectly and correctly, um, the, the person who was designated to go into the Holy of Holies uh, sometimes would go in and they would be struck dead. So they would even tie a rope around this person's ankle to drag them out of the Holy of Holies in case the sacrifices weren't done to exact uh, detail. That they weren't, that they had to be carried out precisely, and so this was what had to happen in order for an uh, unholy people to come into uh, the presence of a holy God, and this temple or this tabernacle was created with very, very precise details. Uh, that were given by God. And then the temple was then built later that David had these plans to build the temple. And it wasn't until his son Solomon uh, became king that the temple was built. And it took seven years, I believe, uh, I, if I'm remembering that right, uh, seven years for the temple to be built, even after all the materials were stored and all the plans were drawn up by King David. King Solomon carried out those plans and it took seven years. So then Jesus comes along and he says, uh, this temple will be torn down, but I will raise it up in three days. This temple will be torn down, but, but I will raise it up in three days. And he was pointing to himself he was saying, I will now be the meeting place between a unholy people and a holy God, because Jesus would take the sins. So he would take the whole process of sacrifice on onto himself, and he would suffer the, the sacrifices of all the people, of all the people, of all of history, of all the world, so that an unholy people could meet with a holy God. And it says, all we have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and the work that he has done and walk in the way, experience the truth, read the word of God, and we can come into the presence of God. We have to believe in Jesus. He is the only way. And so because of that, then after Jesus ascends into heaven, he Promises a helper that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And in, uh, I believe it's in Galatians, it says, it, it, the Spirit even causes us to cry out, Abba Father, that we are given a desire and a love for God by God, by His very Spirit. And the Spirit comes to dwell in us. So when Paul is saying this, about do you not realize that you are a temple? that you are a dwelling place of God, that Jesus has made available his spirit to come in, that then we can meet with God anywhere, anytime, any place when we are born again and filled with the spirit of God. Pretty remarkable. And, Jesus, and and Paul is bringing this to the minds of the Corinthian church. Do you not realize? And he brings it up again in chapter six. So it's a very significant point that he makes in first Corinthians. But then uh, in in talking to the Ephesian church, I, I just want to read through this, uh, I, a big portion of this chapter uh, and then talk about it for a moment. It says here in Ephesians 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you Of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus saying that that the bar is set higher and it goes back to that scripture in 1 Corinthians. Do you not realize that you are a temple and a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. These things, if we look at them, maybe you're wrapped up in some sort of sexual sin. Maybe you have a hard time with crude joking. It's basically the comedy of today. Our comedies have gotten that far, where it's just crude joking all the time. Maybe you just struggle with having a desire to see things the way God sees them. It says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Be wise, be fruitful, not unfruitful. And some of these things, some of you listening may hear this and be like, man, this is a high bar to reach. But the reality is, is, is that the spirit is the only way that you are going to accomplish any of this. Because the power of God is what has changed you from darkness to light. If you read earlier on in this this letter, it says in Ephesians 2 that you were once necros, dead. And I know we've talked about this here before you were once necros, but God came in and he saved you through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is a transformation that is impossible on your own. That Jesus is the one who does all that work in you. Salvation is a work of Jesus Christ and your faith in him. So it's all his work. It's all his work, not our work at all. Now our sanctification which is a fancy word for the way God would change you. And I heard this recently. It's not that God is changing you into someone who you aren't. It's that God is changing you into the person that you were created to be, the person that you always were, but didn't realize who you were. This has everything to do with our identity in Christ. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1, where it says you were made in the image of God. If you look at the things that we're trading, like sexual sin, or the crude joking, or just living for ourselves, maybe maybe you really like to drink. It says, put drunkenness, uh, don't get drunk. Like, maybe that's something that you struggle with, that you wrestle with, that you really like to drink. How do I put this down? It's a serious addiction. The things that we're trading these for, if you look into this, is thanksgiving is the kingdom of God is being filled with the spirit and the things that the spirit works into our life are all good. It's in Galatians five where, where it says that the things that the spirit works into our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law that as we process and we, we think through, okay, what are the things that are pleasing to God? I know everybody rocked around with those what would Jesus do bracelets at one point, but it's what, what would be pleasing to God? And I know I've used this example before, but Kim and I, we used to watch movies that that were had that kind of crude humor. And it was a process of seeing a scripture like this And going to God and saying, is this pleasing to you? And over time, because you can't change your laughter, you can't change what what you find funny, right? That's a really difficult thing to do. When you see something that's funny, um, you laugh, right? It's not something that you force yourself not to do. So you go to God in these places, the quiet places that God has made available to you through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you say, God, is this pleasing to you? Is this pleasing to you? This thing that's in me. Did you put this here originally? Or, or is this not your image? But the things we trade. Um, any of these things that we might look at as hard. Maybe deep down we know. And it says in Romans 1 that deep down we do know. That these things might be wrong or unhealthy for our life. That if we get real. These things are destructive. These things hurt us and they don't help us. And if you've ever experienced the presence of God, maybe reading in His Word and having Him illuminate something in you that has brought you to repentance, that has brought you to tears, that has brought you to joy, that has caused you to just laugh and cry at the same time. If you've ever experienced the presence of God, if you've ever experienced God guiding and working things out in your life that are better than you could ever imagine, these are the things we're trading, the kingdom of God, thanksgiving, songs and hymns and spiritual songs. It says, giving thanks always and, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's tra- trading this pessimism that is has infiltrated the world for optimism, this positivity that comes straight from God and from the Spirit of God. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That seeing the love and experiencing the love of God and laying down all the things that maybe we find pleasing to ourselves and submitting to the love of God and experiencing the love of God that then causes us to turn around and submit to one another, that we would love one another and care for one another. These are the things that, that everybody's saying, um, maybe in the world that, 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 that people desire to do, but don't know how to get there. And usually the means in which humanity on its own without Christ is trying to get there ends in more hurt and more destruction. But Jesus is saying, I can do this work in you. If you would just come to me and ask me, God, is this pleasing to you? Would you do this work in my heart and in my mind and in my life? I I wanted to bring this to your attention because it's not a passive thing that the life that Christ offers is not passive. I heard a preacher talk today. He was talking about the prophets and, and they lived rough lives on the outside. Like they lived in caves. They were rejected most of the time, but they were satisfied by God and the word of God. The, the word of God is enough and, and the presence of God is enough. We, we look at the apostles and the disciples and, and, and those in the first century church, and they didn't live a life that was glamorous on the outside. But on the inside, they were experiencing deep, deep peace, deep, deep joy, love, kindness, faithfulness. They were gentle not aggressive. They they were a different kind of people living from a different kind of power because Christ had turned their life upside down. That is the life that he offers us. You can go along in life, living for yourself and ending up in places of destruction. Or you can actively pursue God and the things that he's calling you to. And he will guide you into what true life actually is, living in his image. And I would just encourage you, a great starting place is opening up the word of God. I'm floored over and over again. I keep encountering people who have been walking with Jesus a long time, who have never read the Bible front to back. If you don't know where to go from here, if you're like, man, that sounds good to have something working in me and guiding me, how how do I tap into that? Start by reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you don't have to do it in, in a week or a month. Just start working at it as you can, because the way we discover who God is, is in his word. It's through the truth. And as we read the word, it says in Hebrews, it says, the word is sharper than any double-edged sword. There is no blunt side to scripture that it will discern and it it will divide soul and spirit, bone and marrow. And those are just images, but, but it does work in our life. It brings us to a place of repentance. It brings us to a place of wisdom and understanding and the spirit speaks and moves through it. I'm getting all fired up, guys, because it if you want to live the life that you were created to live, we have to read the word of God. We have to understand what is in this book. We have to know who God is to bear his image. And this book, the Bible, the word of God, it unpacks. Who God is in the beginning and how he interacts with humanity all the way through to the end. It shows us the love of God over and over and over again and how he has pursued us and made a way for us to come to him. So would you come to him? Would you open up the word of God and discover what the image of God is, who God is, so that you can then Live in his image. And you won't be perfect at it. You'll have to ask God. God, is this pleasing to you? Okay. If it isn't, Holy Spirit, would you come and do a work in my heart and my mind? Because I can't control my laughter. I can't control my desires. I need your help. And part of that help, guys, is the church. If you're not connected with a community, if you're in Yakima, Washington, hey, uh, look us up. Yakima Foursquare, uh, the encounter community. Um, we'd love to come. We'd love to hang out with you. We'd love to come hang out with you. Um, yeah. We'd love to come hang out with you, but, but come hang out with us. Um, we'd love to get you plugged in. But if you don't have a, a community that you are a part of, that is pursuing God, that is chasing after God as he has made a way for, for us to come to him. And he is just waiting for us in the quiet places. He is waiting for us to experience his life and his kingdom. If you're not a part of a community that is the church, the big C church, loving God, reading his word, worshiping him, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, guys, you got to get connected. You got to get connected because community is there to point point one another to Christ, to help us stay on track, to fix our eyes on him. We're here for one another, but ultimately for him. So get connected, read the word of God, pray, talk to God, get connected with a community. And guys, you're on the right track to be living the life, the life that that Christ died to make available to you. And I'll tell you what, God will change the lives of the people around you through you, even if you don't even know it, even if you don't see, um, if if you don't see the evidence day after day. You will be amazed how things will come out of the w- woodworks later, and and reveal themselves. Man, God was working in your life. God was working in your life. If you just plug away day by day, read the word, spend time with him, get connected with a community who is doing the same, who will point you to him, it's so important. And you will live in the image of God. You will live the way God created you to live. I pray that this is a blessing to you, that it encourages you, spurs you on to live in the life That God created you to live and that he made a way for you to live in now. Despite sin, despite death, he has made a way so you can read the truth and you can live in the life.